Oh my god, you guys. Mm, there he is. Mm, big Papa. You know I'm leaving that in, right? <laughs> the beginning of all of her sound files just start with Bob, like, whispering sweet nothings. I have to break it into chunks. Otherwise, Audacity will crash and erase everything. <laughs> and I will cry again. <laughs> Okay, this is a slightly cleaner version now that it's on its 17th draft. <laughs> so hopefully it goes a little smoother. Cleaner in its uh, writing or cleaner on the paper that it's on? Both, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Miraculously. There's darkness. A sense of loss grips you. You are spinning slower and slower. With each rotation, you feel reality coming back to you. Blasts of magic echo around. The sounds of battle follow. The heat and crash of cannons fill your mind. The spinning slowly stops, and a voice cracks through you. Fools! Fools! All of you fools! Filled with such potential that I'm curious to see who shall survive the procedures to become my new lieutenant. And then, if one of you could be so bold to take the mantle of Viceroy. Your eyes begin to open, and focus on the reality falling around you. Though you seem to be falling, there's no sound of air rushing and no feel of movement. Miles away, a castle appears to be floating, pulling against the chains, tying it to mountaintops and the valleys below in a massive mountain range. Oddly familiar, yet still foreign. You notice airships, flying information, and countless more docked to the castle proper. The only thing of note against the solid gray of them, the lion rampant in a field of red roses on every prow. In a blink, all is past you. Your only focus now is a small, small village. Your eyes seem pulled to, tied to, unable to pull away. You are sad, feeling a sense of loss at a job not yet completed. But accepting this odd life, this odd darkness, as it all fades out. Your eyes blink back open. In a flash, you find yourself on the ground, in a small village, in a tucked away alley. And there's a sound of laughter nearby, horses stomping, children playing. That's when we woke up with absolutely no memory of how we got there or who we were in the alley with. Guys, guys, we're all in a simulation. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the question, Neo. You know the question. <laughs> totally obvious. This is the test. We're going to get through it's this, not, and then one of us gets to be Viceroy now. <laughs> I just realized that Vikros and Magdar have never heard that cold open for the team before. Uh-uh. Nope. So I will go ahead into the best of my memory, because unfortunately my notes from the first few sessions are gone. I will fill in Samael and... Dandelion. Dandelion. Samael is a, an average-sized male, human, festooned with weapons. He carries a halberd with him as his main weapon and half plate armor and his mid-twenties sandy blonde hair moderate build there is an odd man standing amongst you thin dark of skin blood red eyes that seem to glow he carries a loot across his back and a rapier on his hip the second largest of the group is a large goliath with a swax that you will come to find out has been handed down through the generations of his tribe covered head to toe in tribal tattoos and a if I remember correctly, he had a, a full beard, which was an odd t look for a Goliath, but I do believe he had a beard. Was it a full beard, or did he have, was his entire head like Fabio? Yeah, he had flowing red locks. Flowing red locks, that's what it was, sorry. I knew there was something about him that was odd for Goliath. <laughs> 
and he had apparently swallowed a frog for the entire first day we were traveling together because <laughs> he talked like a valley girl. So I think that hits everyone who's kind of bowed out of the campaign, with the sole exception of the hitherto unknown false boyfriend who never really existed as far as we're concerned. False or imaginary? Imaginary false, My you imaginary know, potato, boyfriend. potato. <laughs> <laughs> well, Arome, why don't you introduce yourself? Okay, yeah, I'm Brianna, and I play Arome, the drow paladin who is very paranoid for a very long time for very good reasons. She used to hunt and kill people for the king until something happened, and then she let the world think she was dead, and now she's a paladin of hell, and it's not all that coordinated and has a really bad habit of constantly getting poked in the back with spears whenever she leans up against something. Just all the time. She just ignores it now. Aroma keeps her face covered pretty much at all times. She's got light purple eyes, silver hair, and burn scars on the side of her face. That's why she's got kind of a side shave going on, because it just doesn't grow there. And another thing, Arome has a scythe and a scimitar that used to be an executioner's weapon, but she has since found a better one and gave the old one to someone who would probably appreciate it. She also has a pouch on her side that she pretty much never takes off, and it's full of drawings that no one's ever going to see. Standing at a lofty two foot, ten inches tall, a small... Ratman uh, kind of stands up and gains his bearings. His brown fur is wild and unkempt. Uh, his yellow eyes are wide and darting about. His movements are fast and twitchy, and he becomes excited by the most banal of things. He, he wears a, a crudely fashioned studded leather armor, and slung over his back is a rifle as long as the rat is tall. It's a cobbled together mess of metal plates and uh, rivets. The rifle vibrates slightly and seems ever on the cusp of a rapid unplanned disassembly. A leather pack is attached to his belt and various vials hang from it. I don't know if anyone wants to know what's in those vials. I, I prefer to think that that's the man's own business, or the uh, rat's own business. Oh, he'd be very happy to tell you about all of them. <laughs> no, no. In great detail, including taste. <laughs> uh, Alright, well then I'll go. <sighs> Standing diminutively behind the giant rat man is the, uh, let me see, what was it? Ah, yes, the seven foot four, uh, 450-pound massive warforged, massive armor plates, iron and steel blackened over top a solid wood frame, wielding a giant flail and a, a hulking shield. He places himself at the rat man's back to keep him safe. So further back still is uh, the average height wizard, <laughs> standing at a 5'8", stands a, a more elderly-looking gentleman, wears plain traveler's clothes, carries a staff, a crossbow, and a dagger, and wears a, a crystal around his neck. He uh, used to teach as a, as a uh, professor at a uh, prestigious school of wizardry. He has since gone on a sabbatical to find an answer to the question, how does one create brand new magic. He's been known to uh, throw a few fireballs, enjoy the pranks of his fairy dragon companion, Gemma, whom he picked up in a, another from another plane of existence. 
Oh god, I think this means I'm next. Yep. Yeah, you actually have to talk. <laughs> right, so I am a four foot tall half elf. Good elf! <laughs> half human. Oh, the other half snow. And it's half elf. I no. used to live out in the plains in uh, my village, my really group of tents at that point got burned down and, and raided by the evil gnomes clearly remembered with no bias from my small child brain that was terrified I have since traveled around in the wilds surviving off the skills that I learned uh, eventually finding out those skills can be used for uh, bounty hunting and that allows for money for you know things like better materials for this magic stuff I, I seem to do now I live by basically one simple rule, sink or swim. Two rules, don't put my ass on the line. I have a pet weasel named Heyman. Hey man. Just in case anybody was curious, just yell hey man. My best friend is a giant robot. Really like him, he saved me uh, like a couple times. I guess I'm indebted to him. He likes the rat man, so therefore he's fine too. Oh yeah, every everyone else exists as well. We still don't know your name. I have a uh, mild temper when it comes to gnomes. Some people may call it rage. Rage is a mild word for it. Reasonable amount of distrust. I have a newfound religious side. Turns out I now worship a thing called the Eight. And uh, everyone else can go suck a dick. <laughs> Roommate is at you a little bit. Since I personally watched them ascend to godhood, I guess I have to, like, believe in them or whatever now. And my name is, uh, really not for you to know at this time. Thanks. My character just goes by Rome. You don't need to know anymore either. If it becomes important, it can be discussed. Until that time, uh, you really don't need to know my name, because that would be a way that people might, you know find a person so like your gnome papa hey now that's why you have a fake name also context campaign wise we've been together for a couple of months but before the campaign we have been traveling together for much longer and we still do not know her name well that's not true wall may know my name because of the uh telepathic stones i think you said you told him yeah well, he's my best friend, so I guess I could tell him that. Guys, we forgot about your fucking cleric friend. Basic oh, bitch yeah. Becky. <laughs> 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 just um, there. Triple B, as she was affectionately <laughs> come to be referred to, was a dainty female human wearing heavy armor. She carried a mace with her but loved to play with her daggers and other small knives she kept stored about her body at all times. Uh, she was a paladin of Bahamut, very hesitant to trust. Uh, but when she did start to trust, she trusted wholeheartedly, and she always looked for the best in people. She never told us her name either. Yeah, that's uh, Triple B, which is kind of what we went with. Good filler. To be honest, I don't even think we ever had a name on that character sheet. It was just Triple B. And I think that hits everybody that started the campaign with us. Did I even say my character's name? I can't remember if I did now. 
I didn't because I thought we were just doing the physical thing. <laughs> I think it was just physical things. I don't really know that anybody really got names, but yeah, we've got the rat man is Icky. Wall is, of course, our giant robo friend. Warforged. <laughs> Warforged, yes, whatever. Quiet there before you get turned into a uh, Robotech mech. You can shoot Icky out as many times as he can run back to you. <laughs> you act like that's going to be some kind of a detriment. <laughs> <laughs> Icky has always wanted to pilot a Gundam. <laughs> so as they uh, woke up, looked around, kind of took stock, a man, blonde-haired, very well-built, tall, strapping, looked a whole lot like All Might in his transformed state, just in heavy armor with a red cape and a lion rampant on his breast, ducked into the alley, and then shepherded them into a inn to kind of tuck them away from sight so they were not as obvious as what they were. It was pretty obvious because it's a weird assortment of people, and with how our kind of spies and assassins pretty much exclusively unless you're good at torturing or poisoning people I'm pretty sure we shoulder checked a bunch of locals yeah if i remember right you guys he kind of tried to press upon you come in in ones and twos and you guys just kind of hoarded through the door like three seconds behind him yeah and samuel tried to like touch someone and so we ended up with a bunch of people glaring at us through the windows yeah and he tried to get handsy with the innkeeper's wife. I remember that now. She <sighs> could handle herself. The end was basically just introductions. You were sent on your way. You found out that that man's name was... Does anybody remember? Because it has been a long time since you talked with him. I'm going to get my freaking... <laughs> if you guys have to bust out notes, don't worry. I've got it all here. I've got the, the intro rewritten several times with me. So I do have all of those notes with names and whatnot as well. We're talking about the innkeeper, or no, 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 no. Oh, the guy. Oh, Alsace. There we go, Alsace. Does anyone know the name of the innkeepers? Because now I'm curious. Who took notes? Um, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. Gordon is the one that we left in a quivering puddle of terror. Well, he ended up passing out in a pile of his own piss because he was so scared. But uh, it was actually run by Annabelle and her twin daughters Beatrice and Emma. Holy shit! <laughs> I take notes, guys. What is the name of the town and the tavern? I didn't get that part. But Ooh. I did I did get the part where at some point I stole a knife and a chair leg. <laughs> yeah, because there was commotion going on outside. You wound up being just Alsace returning from his uh, voyage. Also, none of us had our weapons. And Robbie's just like, I don't like any of this. Unfortunately, my notes start at Reaper's Gallows. <laughs> no worries. I was actually shocked with what the question was. Are we asking about the innkeeper? Because I was like, good Lord, you guys are taking better notes than I am. <laughs> so the town was Brindlewood, and the it uh, was on the edge of the Swamplands, if you guys remember correctly. And the name of the tavern was the Bayou's Boardroom. That was a year ago. Uh, I don't remember that. I said, yeah, it was like a long time ago, guys. Like, that was back in, like, January. <laughs> no, that was... No, it was later than that. It was literally, yeah, it was. It was almost a year ago now. I, I think it's been over a year. Yeah, that, that makes sense. My first notes were on 10 7 last year. So, yeah. Well, there we go, guys. We missed our anniversary and didn't even know it. I think that's the longest I've played in a single campaign for a whole year. <laughs> Quick run through the conversation you guys had with because that was a whole session in and of itself. Found out that he was actually high up in the king's army, one of the main guardsmen for the king. 
sent on kind of doing the dirty work you had actually had the first semi-successful attempt on the king in his lifetime uh, you later found out that to be uh, several centuries since the last time someone gotten close enough to the king to actually try things and as you were rather easily defeated but you showed promise she'll that good old-fashioned spunk moxie i believe it's called got her asses kicked What's that, Moxie? Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> he was able to alter the spell that the king cast to send you guys to whatever his processing camps were for lieutenants without alerting the king. And so he was able to get you guys kind of shipped off to the quiet place uh, so you could regather yourselves and, and maybe take another whack at it. See, listen to how convenient this is. This is definitely a, an illusory simulation by the king. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's gotten really, really freaking creative with it, if it is. <laughs> Took some weird turns. <laughs> some yeah. good programming. Yeah. Wait, did, did, did his programming take weird turns, or did Genevon just start fucking around with King's programming? <laughs> or is it just drawing from our own collective minds? <laughs> There'd be a lot more death features from a romance. <laughs> you guys were given a basically a tracking device to try to find the king's power sources. Uh, I'll say he's gave it to you. Found out like three days later when we actually accidentally opened it, there was a locket. Mm-hmm. Trying to think of... You guys got the absolute piss kicked out of you by a couple of crocodile or alligators in the bayou. Yeah, most of us were some fine. Of you, some of you did. Somebody who may not be in the set group anymore lost a nipple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're gone, sadly. <laughs> If he had just left the damn thing alone, he would have been fine. It was asleep. He didn't need to do it. Was it, was it asleep? It. I thought you had charmed it. I don't know. Either way, it was gonna fuck off and leave him alone. And he was like, no, I'm gonna smash it. And he failed and he lost the nipple. <laughs> he didn't have a good time. <laughs> it was just a little too blatant. Well, and there was a black dragon about, so... A black dragon flew overhead and scared the crap out of you guys. A certain somebody who had just gotten his nipple bitten off by an alligator decided it would be a good idea to carry all of our gator meat and all of our fish. So when the baby black dragons found us, they immediately surrounded him because he smelled like fish. So he's like being encircled by these dragons. And the rest of us are just saying like, how do we get him out of this alive? Do we really need him? <laughs> Don't forget the leeches as well. That, that was not our barbarian friend, but that was Samael. Yeah, because... Yeah, <laughs> no, it was just... No, the sky, the sky leech was later. He just... Oh, it originated here. Yeah. Through the, getting leeches. He, he was and just festooned with leeches. But he wasn't having a good time. But eventually we figured out that the dragons were after the fish, so we told him to throw the fish, and then his bag that was full of fish got ripped open and got flung everywhere, and then he got bodied, and then we just dragged him and made the hell out of way, and then Roma tripped him into a puddle so he would smell like, less like fish. Oh god, we forgot the first truly horrifying thing that Iggy did, people. Oh, he traveled around inside the alligator. First it out like a chestburster alien. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> which resulted in the daily ritual of prestidigitation. <laughs> oh yeah, that did start that. <laughs> Look, what he does, I'm fine with. You know, that's nature. The smell has to go. 
<laughs> Man, don't knock it till you tried it. Them insides is delicious. Uh, so fast forward, we eventually, I don't think anything else super eventful happened until we found the archway, which led us to a place that was very, very different. Yeah, the shimmering archway that apparently transported us elsewhere. Uh, and you guys were chased to that by the, by Mama. Black dragon. Mm-hmm. Yep. The black dragon chased us that way. We heard her. I don't know if she saw us. She did try and make off with Samuel again and then ended up dropping him, thankfully, into the magical transparent bubble so he didn't go completely splat. There's a safety catch, speed safety catch in the, <laughs> in the teleportation door. <laughs> Still got a smackdown for being late to his session. <laughs> that was after he missed two or three mm-hmm. missed ones, I think. First one he missed was when he got the leech phobia. Hmm. Yes. And then we just kept, was like, oh yeah, but those fire leeches, though. Sky leeches? God, that was the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> Cave leeches dropping down from the ceiling. <laughs> so, uh, there was a doorway that we went through after the tunnel. Hang on. This was the first time we encountered giant spiders. You know. uh-huh. yeah. yeah, so you guys walked through the archway it was uh, a huge archway it went on for quite some time you were kind of trapped in that seemingly endless fog you stepped through there was a feeling of atmosphere change and you were away from the swamplands couldn't even see them anymore from where you were and you were on a high dry desert plateau basically with a large temple in front of you that was dilapidated and falling down and it was dungeon crawl time well it would have been Goliath eventually gets bodied by spiders and reacts very, very poorly to it. And at some point, Aroma accidentally almost chops him in half trying to hit a spider. This was the mimic fight, wasn't it? The mimic was after we got the thing. Okay. We ended up having to drag the Goliath's unconscious body out and hide him near the front entrance and then go back inside. And we eventually got to missed the part with the ogre being piloted by a goliath if anyone else wants to take over that part that was actually there you guys were able to navigate through through a series of just blind luck turns the exact path you needed to go through. you guys i would like to point out <laughs> now at the beginning well i guess you know 30 minutes from this recap you guys have successfully screwed several of my dungeon crawls for you <laughs> completely unbeknownst to yourselves you're welcome <laughs> Yes. All part of the plan. Path <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't that the player's job to take your to make you have to throw half of your session notes out the window? No, this is a huge problem. Actually, I'm pretty sure this is why nobody has magic weapons. <laughs> Got it in one. <laughs> you guys true. were able to kind of stumble into the right secret rooms. There was the acid trap one, the first one you guys faced. You guys really panicked on that one. I was, I was legitimately the acid trap one when no one kind of knew how to set the statue correctly. I was terrified that was going to go terribly awry, and we were going to lose somebody because. Everyone that was in the room was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I was like, you gotta do something. Somebody's gonna die. <laughs> yeah. You knocked through the acid trap, would knock through the lava trap on the other side, got the chests to open up, uh, and then you were cubed through the rest of the labyrinth where you were able to meet the large golem that was piloted by Goliath. 
you assume that's what the High King kind of had in mind for you for being his new lieutenants. What you found in the last chest was a large, almost volleyball-sized, yellow glowing sphere of light. No idea what it was at the moment. Just a yellow ball. fact that that was the thing we're looking for, so it just got shoved into a bag of holding. You guys kind of got stuck where the golem was for a minute. Weren't real sure how to do anything. Took it as an opportunity to rest for a bit and then eventually figured out how to reset the room. The door ended up closing before you drug the golem all the way in and cut it in half. So you had to earth shape some dirt and rock into the golem's hibernating chamber. And it took you down to a resting area, basically. And then you guys really tried to mission impossible out of a space that I didn't expect. You put it there. Yeah. I, I did. I did. <laughs> you mean you put a shaft that seemed like one of the best ways out in our current situation right in the room we're in, and you don't expect us to try and climb down it? <laughs> you went down from all all sense you could gather. You went downward. I did not expect you to go, you know what? You said further... we were on a plateau. There's plenty down. <laughs> I did not expect the response to, we went really, really far down into this to be... Let's climb farther down. Have you have you, have you run a game before, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> Found out that if you went down, it was actually just a giant trash incinerator. Sam is the one that did that, isn't he? We found a way out, though, through there. We did. Yeah, and that's how we ended up in the room where once we were all in it, the door behind us closed and there were three doors. And in the middle of us trying to be sneaky and not be super obvious... Say my all's reaction is, hey, let's go knock on this door. It was a mimic. And then he spent the right remainder of the fight wrapped in a mimic. He shot him, too. Several times. I threw acid at him, I think. You missed. That was, that was the first fight that we really found out that the dice gods despise you. Yeah, they do. I couldn't hit the mimic in front of me that was on the wall. I've not been able to hit anything for most of this campaign, which is why the sphere is mine now. I'm not giving it back. And I, like I licked these. it, it's mine. <laughs> she didn't lick it. Necro should stick with his fists. It's like the only magic weapon you guys got going. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless I define smite, because... What else do I have all these smite slots for? Just have it used because I can't hit anything. <laughs> Some of them give you bonuses to hit things. You should probably use them. <laughs> no, I have any of those. A lot of my stuff is like he is healing and get away and shield of faith. So we don't. So we eventually found our way out, like completely out after a couple of plus moments and. Remus hugging some uh, some fire spell down the hallways to convince Samael, no, we don't need to go explore, we need to get out of here. That's when we found ourselves in that ditch or ravine. Uh, yeah, yep, and I'm pretty sure Samael being dead the whole time, almost dead the whole time, was the reason I didn't want to explore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he got healing from one of us. He's like, let's go explore, and I'm like, you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> so we eventually grappling hooked our way out. I think I remember Bob, you were kind of hoping when we were hauling wall up that we wouldn't think to actually take the grappling hook off before trying to haul him up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Thankfully, one of us has been around for a while and knows better than to do that. <laughs> and that's when we saw the, like, how many platoons of soldiers? And, oh, like, yeah, there were a bunch of soldiers out and about. But three we... airships all around the entrance. Yeah, it was more the airships that were your, your worrisome adventures. Yeah, because that was one of those, yeah, I don't think we're getting the Goliath back. After being helped by some uh, other Goliaths, we executed a uh, Mission Impossible level stealth run through the woods mm-hmm. where we were not noticed at all. Uh, uh, okay, at all is a little bit of a stretch because you guys almost <laughs> fell off the side of a cliff. <laughs> we didn't know. Hey, falling off the side of the cliff is not being noticed. <laughs> I believe that the 500 pound Warforged in the heavy plate was the most stealthy. <laughs> yep, you're the only oh, yeah. one with disadvantage on your rolls. You're the only one who did not fail a roll. <laughs> Dice gods hate me. That's also not only disadvantage, but with a negative one to stealth. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't there. It was in the uh, the forges where we decided that your stealth crawl was a terrifying spider crawl on your fingers and toes yeah. like in the cartoons yeah. okay <laughs> again yeah. just getting ti- just getting timeline for that in my head squared away that's that's not that's not a stealth thing that's my low clearance mode <laughs> it's still creepy as crap to imagine so we met the goliath he didn't stab rome but got really really close to it until she eventually just put all of her weapons except for her daggers in the bag of holding shoved herself into a corner and didn't move no they still pull, pop out of interdimensional flaps and poke you with spears yep there's that's lots of backstabbies <laughs> and that's where we learned how to make the most gold Yep. Gambling addicted <laughs> bastards, you. <laughs> because I beat the unholy hell out of some little punk bitch in a fist fight. Yep. So it begins the story of how Icky made his first million. <laughs> also, to be fair, Bob, have you given us any other chances to actually make money? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Reaper's Gallows. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not related to betting on fighting games. You guys aren't really still long enough to set up a solid business practice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is the longest amount of time you've stayed anywhere? <laughs> and, There's and a reason skipped, for that. We, we skipped right the whole now. We miss out on treasure. And you won't so. go spelunking. <laughs> so. <laughs> Stop that we won't, Bob. It's just we're uncannily lucky. I guess we had the blessing of the eight before we even met them. Bastard you. <laughs> Talia, that was her name, right? The leader of the uh-huh. Northern Rebellion and the Goliath camp that sent yep. us to go find the gnomes to get them to behave because they were being kind of dicks about her being the new leader. Yep, her mother had uh, passed away recently. I don't know that you guys had asked any questions about that. She just kind of died. Yeah, you guys don't ask a whole lot of history questions, which kind of throws me for a loop. <laughs> um, I don't generally ask people. I don't know <laughs> how their mother died. I saw something that hinted that, like, she received correspondence from someone who just signed it as your friend. Mm-hmm. Who may or may not be the same person who hired us. Well, yeah, this is where I studied letters. Yeah, if I remember right, uh, you guys had kind of started to have flashbacks at that point as well. Nothing really concrete, just a little bit more was coming back to you. 
And he purified the first star stone. That's when we got the flashbacks. And that's when everyone learned that Arome's not just a random drow. She used to be an executioner. She avoided talking about that as long as possible. <laughs> Some of us are better at avoiding talking about things. <laughs> if, you, if you never say it, you never have to lie. <laughs> it's a foolproof plan. You don't have 200 years of skeletons in your closet. Meh. That you know of. I think it's just more that you have that many that you're itching to talk about them. And just... <laughs> you guys left. I, I, for the life of me, cannot remember the name of Cole's character. I mean, I think it's forgivable seeing as he hasn't played with us in nine months. That was the, was that the... Ulandir. There we go. That was where you found out that Ulander's swax toting family had been uh, a disgrace to the Goliath clan and betrayed them to the king. He almost needed that one dude that will beat the shit out of across the camp. Yep. When he, when he found out, he was incredibly frustrated, but they were willing to teach him the error of his swaxing ways, take him into the clan to teach him actual traditions and not what his traitorous kin had taught him of their lifestyle. And then Cole abandoned us because he got a real job. Really <laughs> people with real jobs. <laughs> and then you guys went to go uh, meet Kara's favorite people. Ugh. That's when Samael got by, by the dragon, dragon Yep, yeah, right before, as you're on the way to the forest, that is when Samuel got, uh, Oh! Man-napped yeah. by the red dragon. Oh, yeah. He dropped his stuff, thankfully, and then we ran like hell just in case it came back. By that damn sky yeah. leech. <laughs> and a puddle of pee in a bag of shit. I'm now picturing there's, like, a little, like, exit he used, uh, to pick up dog poop just sitting on there. <laughs> That's when we came across these smoldering ruins and picked up a new friend who is remarkably squishy, apparently. Necros, <laughs> the pantsless monk. <laughs> yeah, so uh, as they said, they came across a torn up monastery. They stumbled into the lone survivor, me, Necros, the human monk. After catching up with him, he told you that he appreciated his life at the monastery and even though it was ruined, he wanted to rebuild or build his own, and uh, figured adventuring was the best way to go about it. And then the next day, this chaotic group of adventurers stumbles across his path, so we decided to join you. Might have started questioning that decision at some point. Oh yeah. It like <laughs> immediately. A month and a half later, we finally sit you down and tell you what's going on. I can't believe we waited that long to. No, it was before that. I'm sure he regretted it days less. I'm, I'm sure it was roughly. I'm sure it was roughly about the time that someone in the group decided they're going to piss off a minor deity. <laughs> hey man, yeah. the deity was fine. It was just the people worshiping him. He could have done better. Yeah, the entire time. I don't know. Wall made him a a pretty good friend among your most favorite of species. Uh, I did. I don't need but to that acknowledge that, though. That doesn't mean I like their deity for fucking being a kill-stealing motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna kill that goddamn dragon. Skipping ahead, timeline. <laughs> so after they pick up Vic Gross, they, they they proceed into the forest. They met their first elves of the uh, adventure, and they were all real proud. Kind of shocked to find out they talked a little bit like me. We met the gnomes first, and then we met the. Oh, elves. you met the gnome first. Germany? Yep. A little fucker? 
Jiminy, the uh, gnome mayor. Remember, it's an election year. It's important to get out Traitorous and vote. Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, you met Jiminy, and then he introduced you to... He told us to go to the waterfall. He yeeted one of you to the waterfall. Got to the waterfall faster than others. You guys met Vivint with Jimny that first time, did you not? Yeah. Yeah. Because he didn't know we were there and got really offended. That's when we learned. Rome, not only can she not hit doors, she can't hit trees either. Thankfully, someone came in before we really, really pissed off the tree god. Then the druid started talking. Hey, man. I have valid points. <laughs> hey. That led to waterboarding, yes. <laughs> no, she I got didn't waterboarding. say everyone agreed. I just said they were valid. <laughs> also, some of them were ultimately proven true. So I stand by them. But one no. One. <laughs> nah, he had a, some henchmen too. I'm going to lump them all together. <laughs> Met Jethro and the boys. This is also where we met the imaginary boyfriend of our druid friend. And it's yes, also I where more of Hirome's backstory came out because I think Jethro recognized her or something. And Vivint called you the unclean one. Yeah, Hirome's got a lot of shit. She's fine with it. She's like, to be fair, it was the worst for 200 years. And it was really good at it. So that's fair. That's when she finally admitted to the party that not only was she in the military, she was a hunter. She would hunt and kill dissonance for the king, and her last target was Jethro's son. She was very much expecting to get stabbed in that moment. She wasn't. More importantly, my boyfriend was there. (laughs) Yes, that's where we, we first met Rafi, the imaginary boyfriend. He was definitely real. I don't know. I mean... It's definitely real. Everyone agrees. It was real when he first met him, but he didn't actually travel with us. He just hallucinated the whole thing. He definitely came traveling with us, and the end date of that traveling seems to be a gray area, although clearly still unquestionably my boyfriend (laughs) as I drag him behind me. He's a pile of ashes. Ah, That's semantics got some weird, real real weird troll issues. Rafi was a half-elf bard, played a panpipe. Very young, very enthusiastic to interact with the world. (laughs) Didn't know a lot about it, though. Very, very, very much overestimated his understanding of how things were supposed to work. Uh, Had some great mistranslations on Elvish to comment for the group. That was kind of it. Fortunately, Rafi was only with us for a few sessions. He stayed with some of us longer. Found out that, at least as far as they're concerned, the forest elves talk in a very, very thick Cajun dialect. They laughed for a good solid five minutes when we met them. When they got down to party that night, they busted out the moonshine jugs, the washboard, and the spoons, like a, any good band would do. And then they were ushered to town and found out that there was a suspected shenanigans going on up the mountain. Is it a cult? Or was it just like a little mini rebellion? A mini rebellion is what you were told it was probably going to be. Yeah, they had some kind of creature. So basically it's a, you go fix it because it's election season and we're not going to help you at all. <laughs> Don't forget to vote for Jiminy. Yeah. 
I was when we started not particularly liking it. And that was also when we went trapezing through the woods and spent like 15 minutes trying to figure out what the tripwire connected to before we realized we were standing on it. Mm-hmm. And Ulander and Dandelion, Goliath and the Bard, just did not fall down the hole like the rest of us did. And we never saw them again. Fell down a hole into a small army of Smyrnaflin. They're musing over the trapdoor mechanism for a good ten minutes or so before the DM just said, fuck it, it gets triggered. Not in-game, not like, oh, what are we doing? This was ten to fifteen minutes in real life of, we're just gonna see what happens. And then it was like, you know what? You took so long, they saw you and opened the door. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then they didn't get Tendillion. He got stuck up there, and uh, we never saw him again. <laughs> didn't he get kicked out of town for being bad at music? That was what you were told, but you guys didn't do a whole lot of digging to find out if that was the truth. Because you got that from Jiminy. Tendillion uh, died, didn't he? <laughs> Nobody ever asked. <laughs> you were distracted. <laughs> yeah, so we fought through a lot of Smyrnaf wind, kept poking around different caves. Robey was kind of just trying to find a place where we could like take a deep breath and figure out what to do. And that's why we ended up picking, choosing instead of to go towards the breathing sounds, to go swim through the glowy water cave. And then we found an odd room with no entrances or exits with a impossible tower. That wall decided to kick the door in before looking to see which way the door opened. I mean, you can kick any door in, doesn't matter which way it opens. <laughs> I don't know if you could kick that door open with how weird that tower was. You can kick any door in. If you can kick Satan in the chest, you can kick any door in. <laughs> He's got a point there. <laughs> it was later, and we still have not effectively gotten away with it. Ah, yeah, for now. I mean, you're, you're not dead yet. Yet. Bob, do you want to describe the tower? It was a tall cavern, and from top to bottom and kind of the back corner of it was a tall, perfectly round tower that went floor to ceiling. It was like 60 feet tall and about 35, 40 feet around. One apparent door in and out. Instead of trying to knock, the very first thought was, well, let's just boot this thing down by our warforged friend. Found out later that he had actually managed to just shift the door in its frame, and it was a pull door. But luckily, the inhabitant inside found the loud thudding kicks of this monstrous machine booting his door in as a knock. Uh, and that is where you were first introduced to Jinnabon. You were ushered into a, a very magical place, very Fantasia with unseen servants all over the place carrying stuff and moving stuff around and Mickey was put into his most hated nemesis the high chair that was later was it later? that was at dinner that, that was, was at dinner, dinner. Uh, sorry it was yeah. after that that he decided Mickey could not be trusted but you were immediately poisoned right away as you broke bread <laughs> he offered us some pee that was poisoned and then when we mentioned what we were wanting to do he was like oh wait a minute yeah, when, it, when he figured out that you were not actually servants of the king, he quickly handed out the antidote. <laughs> and Arobi's like, oh, I thought that tasted familiar. <laughs> I want to point out that this is because Artemis is an excellent judge of character and chooses to tell most of the people who have bothered to ask exactly what he's about. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you guys first met Gentleman 2, he was a very, very small and frail goblin wearing a very plain outfit had a cane with him, uh, moved very, very slowly, 
looked it just ancient for a goblin. Later, you found out to be uh, actually not too much longer. Uh, you found out to be four hundred. Four hundred years old. I thought that was the weirdest thing that was going to show up in this campaign. Uh, to much to Artemis's joy, found out he was a next level wizard, uh, doing the things that only gods dream of doing uh, as a long-lived mortal. You were also introduced to several other members of the Eight. Not all of them got a full introduction because you guys didn't really interact well. Met Orion, everybody's favorite. I gotta love that grumpy wet blanket. <laughs> who was a dragonborn. Uh, who else did you guys meet? We met Flynn and Trogmall and Jonathan and Orion and we heard about more game. Cool. Yeah, I think the only one you guys didn't really have any interaction with was the other dragonborn the assassin you guys didn't really talk or see her she she stayed pretty far away from everybody well i say that like she was living the only one living member of the eight when you guys arrived was jindabon everybody else was just their astral projected self yeah well you gotta have powerful magics to make a robert last for last 400 years <laughs> <laughs> well there's also the tower was run off of souls which he took us down to see that and Rome stayed on the elevator she didn't want to know how many people she knew were trapped down there, because she knows who he is. She's known people who were sent after him, and she's like, don't want to know who, how many people I know are down there. Nope, I'm staying on the elevator. Several levels to the tower, you guys were shown, each of you had your own basically perfectly crafted room in the tower when you guys got up to that level. Wall found his happy place, which was his sparring gym with his elemental buddies. Yeah. Rumbay's room accidentally started reacting to her PTSD and flashbacks, so that was fun. Icky, your room was... Uh. <laughs> Just, uh. <laughs> In fact, that is my note from that session for your room. It's uh. just you. <laughs> As I recall, it was a large pit filled with the various innards of mm -hmm. untold beasts. Of exotic things. Artemis, can't even remember who all went down to the library with you those first couple of days. I don't remember if anyone else went down with me. I went to the library at some Icky was in the library first, I believe. That's right, Icky. Yeah, Icky came down go. with me. Because Icky yeah. had the contest. He was trying to drop the books as fast as he could mm -hmm. before the Unseen Servants could pick him up. Yep. <laughs> I wanted to see how fast the reaction time was. And I can't remember, it was uh, not long after you guys first showed up that you found out that you're interrupting poker night, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. With all the doors. And that's when we opened the wrong door. Oh, that's that's when he took us up and let Artemis ask Asmodeus questions about magic. Yeah. Runway's just sitting there staring at the doors like, is my god behind one of these? Absolutely. And also, <laughs> I only got uh, three questions, and, you know, since Asmodeus wasn't getting anything out of it, he wasn't especially helpful. <laughs> yeah. Now he just really, really, really hates us. Well, what, one of you more than others, but yes, that's a fair statement. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, yeah, after kind of everybody tucked in, you found out that he played poker with the gods. Yeah, that's when Arobe was both very impressed and very terrified. <laughs> The next day is kind of when shit went sideways for him when you brought forth the object that you were not sure what it was. It was what you had found, right? Mm -hmm. Well, he helped us get our memories back. That's right. You guys kind of had, had had the seance, and he was able to restore your memories that you had lost. You wound up losing, was it six months or eight months? I can't remember the exact time frame. 
I think it was six. Six months. You guys got your memories from that six months because all you guys knew leading up to it is you just kind of had that block. And Alsace told you from what he'd been able to gather from his inside network of spies, you were able to get full memory back. You guys got some bonuses for that. And things kind of clicked in for you. So after that, you showed him what you found. Showed him the locket and he showed us what the picture looked like. When he showed you what the picture was, that was when he hit you guys with the flashback of how they were the last attempt at the king's life that made it to the king. We, we saw that, and they kicked the king's ass, and then when we saw what we did, it's like, oh, we got our asses kicked. And I think Vikros was able to see memory flashes, but he wasn't yep. able to hear or make yep. sense of anything. Vikros was basically just watching a silent movie of Genobon and the eight beating the ever-living crap out of the king, who you guys found out even then was a lich. Things were going his way until he transformed into a Draco lich. And that's when things really kind of took a negative turn for them. Then you guys were able to see you guys just get absolutely bodied. Then he ate our memories. He ate your memories to make you better lieutenant. And that was when you guys showed Genobon the item you had found, which you'd found was part of the seven pieces of the star. He just started booking it up the staircase. We're like, oh, nope, that's not good. <laughs> started yeah, booking that, that, it up. The first, uh, that was uh, kind of the first open display of power you guys had seen of Jinnabon, where he went full Dark King on you guys, radiating energy and just shooting up the stairs faster than even the astral projections could switch between floors. And I will let you guys describe what you saw next. Rome met God, and it was. Very weird for her. <laughs> I'm actually trying to remember. I've forgotten. <laughs> it's, it's been a bit, so it's okay. He was starting to cast something. We could tell it, it was just absolutely furious. The gods came into the room. Everything slowed down, and gods were able to calm him and remind him of the oath. Rome met her god. Mom met that one chaotic evil god whose name I forgot to write down. Grumsh. Grumps the one-eyed, the uh, orc god of war. Anonymous druid got chastised for being racist by... Maliki? Maliki, yes. Maliki? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Triple B was lucky enough to meet her god, Bahamut, as well. Yeah, so I'd say, I, I couldn't remember if Bahamut showed up to that, so... That's kind of where you guys first kind of got word that, at least on this world, the gods kind of try to take their best hands-off approach to things. They were able to remind... Jinnabon of some deal that he had made with them. Didn't really go into details with it. Shortly after that is when you had to say goodbye to him, but he did leave you guys with a couple of presents. Yes. While he left you your sparring partners. You? He left a book of the Eight's adventures. Uh, and then you guys got to watch him and the rest of the Eight ascend into godhood. Take the library with them. Yep, they took the library. <laughs> Which is why Roma's like, wait, if you want us to share your tales, can we get a copy of them? She, she's been reading that pretty much off and on nonstop. Or whenever she gets a chance to. It's okay. The very most important part of this religion is everyone else can go suck a dick. <laughs> this is where uh, you guys met a very, for me, unexpected bad guy. I didn't really think things would yeah. go how they did. We went to go get the star stones out of the plants walking room and found Asmodeus trying to break in, so we're frantically pulling the stones off the wall while Artemis is downstairs getting his fairy dragon. And Romy just starts screaming, Whoa! Get the door! <laughs> uh, uh, 
and that's where Wall took a running leap and drop kicked the devil in the chest back through his hell portal. You know, seriously? Dead, you absolutely yeah. dead serious. <laughs> he drop kicked the king on of a, hell on a uh, nat 20. Through a door on a nat 20. And this was right after you'd figured out how to embiggen yourself, basically. Yes. So I was not seven and a half feet tall, but, you know, 15 oh, feet tall. Man. And something like, oh, what is it, like 2,700 pounds? Big boy. Full on Batman, huh? And just <laughs> running, drop kicked him back through the doorway to hell. Did you say something cool? We got the last star stone out, and she's like, okay, we're good. We raided his kitchen for all the edible and sustainable food we could find before leaving. <clears throat> That's when we saw us else face again. We the devils. And Artemis okay. met and befriended Jim- Gemma, and she joined us on our adventures. Gemma the fairy dragon. Who's a bit of a shit, but it's cute. She's awesome. I love her. <laughs> yeah. I forgave her for making her think she was imagining things when the trees were moving. When she, <laughs> while Artemis was dealing with seasickness, would just send him images of the rocking ship. Yes. Oh, yes. She's a equal opportunity, equal opportunity prankster. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, you guys were given. A day 20, to get our shit. And yeah, get out. 24 hours to get your shit together and get out. We got four star stones out of that room. Yep. None of those were tainted, though. We should still have four star stones. We can't figure out anything to do with them. <laughs> Artemis is on the case. <laughs> <laughs> figured, you know, you guys are in a giant wizard's tower. <laughs> I figured that would be a little bit more into play here than what it has yeah. been. Thank God for this recap. Artemis is definitely on the case. Now. <laughs> figure these things out. Don't you worry. You're welcome. I mean, that's not my job. My job is to be meat. <laughs> uh, you guys were able to get your stuff squared away. You got your gems holding your elemental friends. Get one night's good, solid rest again. And as you guys exited the tower, it basically just dimensional ported out as the door closed behind you. And all states popped up. Yeah, as soon as it closed, and he had a couple of differences since the last time you guys had seen him. Yeah, the king was angry with him. He was missing a, an arm and a leg, but he did have a handy-dandy replacements for him. Uh, had a disintegration ray built into uh, his arm and a telescopic leg that let him take long steps and cover ground incredibly quickly. His reaction when he figured out who we had just met was interesting. You guys met him up with Alsace. That's kind of when you found out that he had a... I mean, you were rather confident that he had a way of tracking you, but if I remember right, this is when you guys actually found out how he did it was the thing that's in Icky's bag, but it's a shiny thing, so it'll stay there. Up next is the ridiculous stealth rolls of Icky when you guys first ah. go into the fucking foundry. Ah. Yeah, we went back to go down the tunnel that we didn't go through now that we were pretty sure the Smyrnath men weren't still waiting for us, and we just kind of went around different areas, eventually found the foundry, and then Icky went and did a lot of sneaky stuff while the rest of us were like pressed against the wall trying not to make noise and Nerobe was listening for any sign that anyone yeah. knew he was there. I believe he ran ahead, ran down a passage, ran all the way down the passage and through an unoccupied room full of equipment. He opened the door and then started sneaking around the foundry. Yep. There were people there. Yeah, a whole bunch of workers and stuff, and 
I think it was like there were six people there who felt like eight fucking checks. Yeah, I think it was like eight rounds of stealth rolls and perception checks. Also, oh, they had like hammer and tongs for hands. Yes, several of them did. Yes, several of them were missing limbs. They were clearly uh, slave time yeah. workers, or they just had a real bad union. Who knows? Rub had a moment of should I start a revolution? Yeah, probably not in the room next to the dragon, which is another reason why we didn't go into the room, because we could tell there was a dragon in the next room over. It was the thing that was heating the forges, and we're like, mm, let's not get his attention. Yeah. Like, he somehow didn't get caught. We rigged some stuff to explode and screw with their forges, started booking it away, ended up going partially deaf, some of us, and then crawled back out the way we came. And then as we were working on finding our way to get out, we had all tied ourselves together. And Roma dropped. <laughs> she fell, so she was dangling by the rope. Yeah, I got a four on that one. And then I think after that was when I rolled a nat one as Walls tried to swing me into the wall. And I'm pretty sure there's still a drow-shaped dent in the wall there. Dice got to hate me. Artemis uh, climbed up like the spry old man he was. No problems. <laughs> It's a little harder in paying me a lot of her. You're a lot of excuses. Yeah, you are. You are. Artemis is 50. He's 52 years old. <laughs> I'm 220. Don't even start with You're me. You're an elf. That's like 19 in elf ear. Elf ear. And the wall is made completely of metal, basically, and he made it up. I didn't have these dice at the time. These dice had actually let me occasionally get good rolls for things. Also, try to kill my players, but that's different. Then it was back to Nomington. Yes, absolutely. We helped Antar interrogate some dark gnomes. Yeah, if that's what yes. we're going to call Wall putting his foot through some dude's ribcage, absolutely. That was <laughs> after that we got after. the information yeah. about who they were working for. Well, some of you got that information. Hey, some of us were busy infiltrating and spying on the corrupt gnome mayor in a tactical maneuver. And how did that one play out for you? <laughs> I got to laugh as I listened to the, my... The, footfalls of my best friend coming to his ass. <laughs> and, and After you got just before that happened, if I remember correctly, somebody got yeeted through a couple of walls and a window into a tree. Hey man, the journey is not always as important as the smugness. <laughs> Let's not forget that, was it in town? Oh, yeah. The first time that you gave Wall your earring? Or was it when you guys first met? Um, oh, he it? had it. I've had it for a while. Okay. Yeah, it was the item I... Oh, and we totally just glossed over the meeting of Vivid, who is the forest god of yeah, this area. Yeah, but we meet a lot of gods, so it happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one, at least, uh, is not quite as aloof as the main gods that you have met. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we met a tree god, almost got smited by him, and then certain druid person decided to mouth off towards the god. Yeah, he could have dealt with, you know, better worshippers. So I'm saying. Druid suffered much eating in this chapter of our adventures. <laughs> hey, he was bound silenced and thrown a lot. And Wall, I mean, he didn't even talk about his best buddy. Your yep. freakishly strong gnome friend. Oh, yeah. What was his name? <laughs> 
Oh, that's right. It was General Obi. Uh, was... Yeah, that was Antar. The <laughs> captain. Don't, 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 don't you dare Nomi say Wan it. Kenobi. Don't you yeah. dare say it. General Nomi Wan Kenobi. I like renaming Bob's characters, and he actually let us get away with it with one of them. I, I do still remember Linguini's original name. I don't, but then again, I wasn't there when you met him. Yeah, we're, uh, so you guys, uh... We found out that the mayor was the one behind this all, and it's like, well, gotta go kill the mayor now! With extra vigor, because about the, at this time, Maul was getting the frantic message of, help! <laughs> Somebody help! <laughs> From no, a certain I druid. Was, <laughs> I think it was more along the lines of, he's trying to run away. He was packing up all his shit real fast. As soon as Wall heard who it was, he knew he had to leave, which is why it was a quick boot to the face of the tied-up guy, as he deserved. And then, I don't even think I told anybody. We're always scared the piss out of one of them. You just started going, and the General Nomi <laughs> just tagged along with you. Because at that point, you guys had gotten from the Sreneflin that the mayor was the conspirator who is part of the unrest for the city. Vindication! Yeah, because Bob just had to vindicate Kara's no reason. <laughs> uh-huh. I feel so vindicated. It's great. I cannot wait for you to meet your dad. <laughs> and if you think that's not coming, let's go ahead and throw it out there. I don't know when. I don't know where. Oh, I can throw a lot of things in denial, sir. It's wide enough for everything. <laughs> so it'll go better than her fro may ever be it's her dad because he will probably literally kill her <laughs> you think it won't end with one of us killing each other <laughs> so he chased mayor out of town uh-huh. he goes back under underground with all the other dirty smurf Eflin, and we gotta go back down there to stop him meet up with the tree god yep. friends Rome ends up getting carried yep. by one of them it was very unsettling at first, but then it ended up being nice until it dropped her. <laughs> and then we split up, and we end up in front of the garage for this. And we steal the caddy wagon. Yes, this is where we steal the caddy wagon. God, that was Whoa. such... Like, I knew it was going to happen, but that was such a random turn of events. <laughs> just <laughs> the fact that Artemis and Inky were just like, nah, y'all got this. They're always like, I don't got this. I can't hit things. <laughs> yep, it's now a thing if we have the caddy wagon. It's me or Icky driving. <laughs> you taught Negros. Oh, we taught people. Wow. Everybody else seems to destroy pieces of our wagon. <laughs> yeah, Mag- Magdar has, has not seen the caddy wagon, the, the magical, what you guys found out to be basically just a mobile meat locker. <laughs> Which was the best thing ever, especially after we rescued a certain young chef prisoner from the Smyrneflin. Bob, did you have to name him on the fly? Because like I said, I remember his, his official name. <laughs> what is his official name, sir? Skablob. That is correct. So for you guys, not long before we had that session, I was running Dragon Heist with Brock and I think Matt was there. Oh. No, no, a, sorry. That Matt, was with Matt, Charlie. Matt, yeah, that was right. Charlie was uh, our friend. Charlie was with us, and then Ryan. And one of the vendors in Dragon Heist is Zublob, which I love that name. 
And so I was like, I can't use that because they know it. So we'll change it just a little bit. Cali <laughs> oh, okay. surfer dude right. voice too. Yeah, total surfer guy. <laughs> it's all good. It's kablaz, man. <laughs> it's okay to have cross universe because I mean, Icky was there too. <laughs> you guys met the the man who would soon be learned and known across the country as Linguini there, who was a human chef who was forced from a young age, from a long line of chefs going back centuries, served kings, damn it. Very skilled at his trade. Now he's serving just misfits. I'm like, I'm, I apologize, kid. That's the guy that made my he, steak nugget? He is serving the future heroes of this land. All right. That is, yes. That, this is the guy that made your steak nuggets, sir. They were bomb shark ass nuggets. steak nuggets. Yeah, your, yeah that's right, nuggets. your shark nuggets. Your shargets. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that was gonna be. That's not. That's not calling that ever again. That sounds nasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how, that sounded up. like you were saying shark, and I'm like, mm, not. Pete Nicky might have no problem with that, but. And if I remember right, his litmus test was to see what he could make you guys that you enjoyed, and he whipped you guys up a beautiful, home cooked meal, and y'all were like, "We'll be back." <laughs> yeah. Says in my notes. Coming back for him. Do not forget to come back for him. <laughs> I missed that part. I was like, oh, we have a chef? Well, that's cool. <laughs> you missed a lot on that one. <laughs> yeah. Like when I, I apparently fell into the weapons cart and got poked by a spear. Oh, that's right. You were there for that part. <laughs> oh. Well. A retail. This is also, I'm surprised they haven't spoken up about it, where Icky and Wall achieved positions in middle management that was actually before you met linguini you guys kind of stumbled in through that was where wall tried to pick up a container full of caddy wagon parts well he had a gnome strapped to his wrist because you guys wanted to use him as a trap tester and then, yeah, yeah. And then crit failed that pick and dropped a multi-hundred pound container of parts on an unconscious enemy and cursed planet him Oh, well. She wanted to interrogate him for directions. Yeah, he gone. I was very disappointed. He was desperate for death. It's fine. Icky and Wall were briefly into mid-management for the mine. Yes, they, they, they really uh, really nailed the interview. Felt like he nailed the interview, but uh, Wall actually did. And then that led up to the fight with the Red Dragon, who was powering the foundry. <laughs> where Vivid the most pitiful horde <laughs> <laughs> which led to, to, to the moniker of Vivid being a kill-stealing fucktard <laughs> yeah was it Vivid or the dragon that accidentally bitch slapped the mare out of existence I think it was Vivid he was going to hit the dragon and just yeah it was yeah it was as as he ran in he just casually backhanded the mare out of existence just left him as a grease smear on the ground and the wall behind him Stole all our satisfaction. Not all of it. We didn't get to kill the mayor, We didn't get to he. We, Wall didn't get to kill his dragon. Like, I, I, I would like to say, Wall, you did a lot of damage. That dragon had a lot of dying still to do that Vivid was handling for you. <laughs> nah, we had it. I I tried to hit it. Vivint ended that dragon in what I thought was a very epic way by shoving his tree branch arm down its throat and ripping out his fire sacks and lungs and then encasing yeah, his, his corpse and fast growing vines and roots. It's pretty good, yeah. Good kill. 
Robe finally got a new scimitar, a plus one. So if she could have one that's actually a fighter's weapon, not an executioner's weapon. It's that really seemed to help any. <laughs> I promise I'm trying. There's only so much you can do about dice rolls. Just need to like get Toss and Jaffe to bust my dice. That's all I need. <laughs> you guys were able to head back to Nomington after that. Skip the dun- dungeon crawl again, based on Nikki's amazing stealth rolls that first time through the foundry. And then just kind of walk back up the path of Vivint left so you go get your caddy wagon cruising the town. With Linguini, you guys actually did remember to go back and get Linguini. There was like no hesitation. As soon as the fight was done, you're like, sorry, we looted everything. We're getting the cook. <laughs> <laughs> Which ended up being an absolutely wonderful decision story-wise. And we would all die for Linguini. Quick vote of eyes. Who does that stand true for? <laughs> no repercussions, just... Just a quick poll. <laughs> At least we killed him. Oh. Artemis would good. definitely kill yeah. for him, yes. He would not die. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I'm very yeah. partial to the chef. So at least two people feel that, that passionately about Linguini. <laughs> or we'd kill anyone that messes with them. Again, I don't need you guys to read into that at all. That's just idle speculation on this side. Uh-huh. You know, I'm not saying I wouldn't go rescue him. <laughs> it's not happening. I am saying that I can't eat any delicious food if I'm dead, so... <laughs> <laughs> Headed back into town. Sometimes now martial law. Yeah, Antar kind of took over for the military Gestapo that was running things until the new mayor could be elected. It is election season. You guys never even asked about Jiminy's rival. Again, you guys don't ask a ton of questions. <laughs> That's not We've my bag, man. We've got a job man. to do, and it doesn't pertain to our job. Although now some of us at least have a lot of questions about... What in the world did we get him to? I'm like Vasquez, okay, from Aliens. I only need to know <laughs> one thing, man. Where they are. <laughs> Spent a couple days in town just getting your shit together, stocking up on supplies. Linguini got to go shopping for, as he called it, real wares for the first time since the Sreneflin had gotten a hold of him. It's where we basically figured, figured out that we really had... The next orb that we needed was basically seemed like out across the sea, and we had one of two options to get there. Three. Three, if I remember correctly. Reaper's Gallows. Hunter's Haven or the Drawing Four. Garl was the chief of the centaur tribe that sent us that way. He said we could trust Innkeeper Derlo, who, when we got to town, we had found out, was executed. Yeah, we we were all pretty much like looking in the other cities. I'm like, everyone's like, yeah, let's not. I'm like, she wasn't comfortable with any of them, but I'm like, if we know someone there, it's good. And then when we got there, we found out he had been killed, basically, by probably by someone that Arami may or may not know. Yep. And she's just like, well... He'd been accused of treason and hung. Public hanging. Yeah, it was it was a, a public execution. He wasn't killed by anyone particular. He was killed by the court. <laughs> and we, we found out about that in the first bar we went into... And after we left, we noticed something invisible was following us. I do want to rewind a little bit. Yeah, because you guys completely skipped over the tribe of rat men that Icky got to interact with and the centaur clan as well. Darla is, is the, the leader of the tribe of centaurs there. He's the one who told us we could go do that. They were worried about another, let's call it a recruitment drive from the king, stealing their uh, people for soldier. Conscription. Yep. The process conscript even more, and we found them on accident and helped them find off some nasty dinosaurs from killing their dinosaurs. 
And once Icky convinced them that no, we had not kidnapped him, that we were his friends, they decided not to kill us to take us back to their camp. This was also that night we got tracked down again by Alsace. That was actually a lot more chance that you were there. He was actually, I, I know I didn't tell you guys this, he was actually there on King's business to let them know it was going to be a call for their flesh tithe for soldiers. This was this made uh, Garl not very happy. Garl or Jarl? Jarl. Yeah. So Jarl, I, 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 yeah. I pronounced it wrong, yeah. No, it's His okay. son died during the King's War, so he's real bitter about conscription. Icky, do you remember any of the Ratmen's names? I think I only gave you one. To be honest, no. That's okay. <laughs> All was worried for the first time ever about possibly losing Icky in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, just everything's crowded around. You gotta keep him out of harm's way. And he might blend in with this crowd. I, I was still a bit of an outcast. Mm-hmm. I was a weirdo. That is where you got your rifle upgrade, though. I did. Mm-hmm. Chicken caca. There we go. Also, before that, somebody hit a speed bump on the caddy wagon, and then it started raining as we were trying to fix it. <laughs> I can't remember if that was Icky or Vikros driving at the time. I want to say it was Icky. Hang on. Oh, and we also glossed over that you guys got lost as shit trying to get back home, back to the gnome village from the Sverneflin cave. Yeah. You guys got lost yeah. in the woods for like a day. <laughs> Vicar said, no, it's this way, for sure. And he was talking out his ass. The Romance was like, <sighs> why don't we just go in the down-the-hill direction? That's how we get down the mountain, right? And I'll say, we should about that. No, it's this way, I'm certain. Romance <laughs> <laughs> just like, Romance is constantly saying, I'm surrounded by children. Look, you're non-committal. He was certain. <laughs> right. <laughs> you were very vague. He sounded super confident. <laughs> yeah. So we uh, fast forward up to Reaper's Gallows. That is where you guys met Tim for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fairy fired him. Caught him sneaking up on us. And then we'll all try to slam him into the ball, and it was not super effective. Yeah, he is a slippery little bastard. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, why are you following us? He's like, was it that you went with my partner? I'm like, oh. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. And then I'm pretty sure I told him we were uh, looking to kill the king. <laughs> and he was immediately, even through his drunken stupor, totally okay with that idea. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm telling you it works. We should just tell anybody you're at. I don't like that this idea. This will never be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Artemis does this twice. <laughs> Romy does this once, and I get shit about it at work. <laughs> <laughs> and I told some of those part of the freaking rebellion, okay? <laughs> well, you know, Artemis, Artemis fancies himself an extremely good judge of character. <laughs> and so far, he's been right. <laughs> yep, so Tim takes you back. Uh, does anyone remember the name of the inn? Wasn't it not in <laughs> Yes, there was. There were there was lots of puns in this city. <laughs> there were even more, but you guys you, you guys stopped asking questions of what things were named, and I kind of got sad after like the third pun. You're like, nope, nope, that's enough of your bullshit. We're gonna move on. <laughs> so we got a nice little base of operations there, pretty much. Yep, met Mike and Callie. Yep, and their daughter Michaela. They ran the inn with. 
visits him and his recently deceased husband. At some point during the conversation, Mike recognized Aroma and she had the moment of, and she, both she and I had the moment of, I'm going to die. Yep, because that was about the time that you guys were able to piece together that these were thief kings, basically, from the southern provinces. Yes. Who had retired. Actually, have they shared that? Because most people didn't make their role, and I sure should didn't share that information. Uh, no, if you, that's right. I don't know that Mike and Tim would ever have really said anything. The only thing that would kind of give way to who or what they may have been when you met their northern counterpart after you guys absolutely bodied the champions of the arena. Yeah, their northern counterpart, who was also part of the cult of Asmodeus, and then we pissed him off. Mike and Tim were part of the group that led the attack that burned the compound down that Aroma supposedly died in. I have I have alluded to Mike and Tim having some sort of past that I'm aware yes. of. Yeah, <laughs> you, you have not come straight out and said that you said it. Nope. Uh, you've just been like, oh yeah, no, 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 let's not make them angry. That's <laughs> 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 kind of been the gist of what you pointed through to the group. Probably doesn't know, but she's like, these guys attacked a military compound that had me in it. I don't know how I survived that. <laughs> no, wait, now that I met them. Just before we left, Tim killed, we're not entirely sure how many guards, but all drunk. Yeah, I was surprised Icky did not ask more questions regarding his armor set, because I really thought Icky was going to be like, I would like a pair of that, please. <laughs> Rami kind of wants it, but she's not about to ask. <laughs> I'm at Jean Vieve, the half orc, who I'm hoping to run into again if we end up in the neck of the wood. The, the fur trader. That's Had right. a lovely time. This is where Vicros got his his name, the Pantsless, as well. Yeah. Are we going to skip over the arena fight, though? Because all that happened yeah. the night after the arena fight. Yeah, that was a celebration. Oh, I mean, we just decided uh, that good way to make money would be, once again, to beat up the reigning champions of the city, which were named Reynardo, Bullvine, and some orky name. <laughs> orky uh, name. Uh, was it Trogmar, I believe, was his name? Kongdo. Trogmar was one of the gods, I think. There you go. All Iki and Vikros all went into the pit, and after much fighting, came out victorious, won a good bit of cash, and the respect of the town. The whole party won a whole bunch of cash, because you guys bet very, very heavily. You got in on good odds. <laughs> yeah. We were afraid Vikros wasn't going to pull through on that one. Uh, yeah, see, that's the funny thing, is we got, like, our first 30 seconds of looking at Vikros and being like, wow, he might actually be a monk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, don't forget the most important part about the whole arena fight was our team name, the Supreme Armor Squadron Galactic Men. Like I was ever going to fucking remember that. My note for that session of the team name is I hate you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That was a thing. Won a lot. That actually ended up paying for a large part of your voyage over. I know you guys ponied up quite a bit of cash to get the Golden Harpy to take you. And to get him to take the crew. Thank God we did. Did anybody remember the name of the Dwarven benefactor who was upset that you'd killed his team? I don't remember getting his name. I do have opposing team patron as local thief. I have written down David, but I'm pretty sure I misheard it. David, not David. D-A-V-E-N. A couple days after that, you guys bailed out? Yeah, we didn't stick around at all. Also, at the celebration, Roma was approached by another hunter who's like, hey, why haven't you checked in yet? And she was fully prepared to just straight up stab him in the neck of bed and there if he recognized her. 
He's just like, mm-mm, this person knows who I am? Mm-mm, they're not good. They didn't. And then she kind of went to tell Mike, like, oh, by the way, I got approached by a hunter. And there were more awkward moments in conversation. Let's also not forget that is when Callie set to work engraving Wall's uh, carapace. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is also when Vikros failed with Gina the elf. So hard. Icky endeared himself to Jelsey the dwarf by being able to take a lot of liquor. He also um, ended up having his pants thrown out the window and then decided to climb out after them. It was on the fourth floor. And don't forget, he got the shit slapped out of him the next night. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, at that point, we knew so much more about him than he knew about us. <laughs> so you guys got your shit booked? Insulted another member of the Cult of Asmodeus. I don't remember that guy's name, but we did insult him. Mm-hmm. I don't think you got his name. So we set sail, and that is where we picked up our new furry friend. He's got the real good booze. And that's when we started recording, right? Yep. Yeah, it was around then. Yeah, I think it was, it was that first one. We recorded before that, but... Um, the technical difficulties. So as far as anyone's concerned, that's the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, um, audio files got mixed up. So the first episode is after the naval battle. That's right. It was right after the uh, the big fight with the former sub-commander of the Silverhawks. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to make sure I had it right, because I keep calling them the Silver Eagles, and I know that's not it. No, they're the Silverhawks, and it's only so that I can hear that sweet 80s cartoon intro in my head every time it's said. <laughs> yep, that was that was the one where Wall missed it, and when he came back, he was upset because no one would load him into a catapult. We skipped over the introduction of Magdar. Oh yeah, Magdar, go ahead and introduce yourself for the first time, sir. Magdar, pretty tall guy, about 7 foot tall, 270 pounds. He has black hair all down his body, all over his arms, legs, except for his face. Piercing glacier blue eyes. He comes from the Bloodvale Forest in Tagros Vane. Oh, he's a bugbear. Yes, there we go. <laughs> That's going to be the word. He is, he is not just a very hairstute, tall, large man. He is a bugbear. <laughs> he's a bugbear. It's genetic. And he has his bee hammer. That he sometimes will like the honey off of. That's hornets. Yes, yes. He has a, a big two-handed mace that hornets live inside of and offer honey to him to make his delicious ale. Rumley would definitely refer to it as hornets. Diana calls it a bee hammer. <laughs> <laughs> While he is a bugbear, he belongs to a very small tribe of bugbears that don't just succumb to their feral rage and instead have learned to control it. I also spend a lot of time just hiding out in trees and getting drunk. Well, yes, getting drunk is a large communal thing. They really do like to do it. So they go through a sort of rite of passage at a certain age in their youth when they first hear the call of their ancestors, which emanates through a particular gem referred to as the Soul Spark Gem. It's used to master their rage rather than just go around hitting stuff with rocks and whatnot like the rest of them. And because of that, because they're peaceful, they live up in the canopies of that forest rather than on the ground with all those savage animals. They are pretty sure 
that they are superior to those animals in every way, shape, or form. So at a point towards the end of Magdar's career as the guardian of the Soul Spark Stone, his ancestors whispered of a great evil that is not only a threat to his village, but to the world itself. And with that information, it fell to him to go and face this evil, whatever it may be. And that brought me to where I met you guys. And then, you know, I insulted a god and kicked my ass. <laughs> yeah, that's all on video. We got that. <laughs> we got that recorded with the robot. Like, she was born and raised military. So for her, it's just, that's all her people know. She's like, that's dumb. I want to fix it. And she's seen the glimpses of what the king's willing to do to those who disagree with him. Jesus Christ, people. We've done a shit ton of, I mean, it's one of those things that, yeah, we've been playing for a year, but goddamn, we've done a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, Magdar, what is your impression of everything that transpired? I know I'd kind of given you the highlights very, very briefly at times, but I don't know that we'd ever really talked about what they've done. Well, yeah, I would say that dropkicking the devil back into hell is pretty highlight, and then raided his pantry. Did I get that right? No, we we raided Jinnabon's pantry. Pantry, I got you. Still, still quite a kick to the teeth. Disciples of the Eight is a production by Pseudonym Social, changing reality one story at a time. It is DM'd by the amazing Bob Tidwell and produced by me, Brianna Toiber, with music by Patrick Chester of Chester Studios. We have Brock as Icky, Ryan as Wall, Matt as Vikros, Spencer as Artemis, Crash as Magdar, Kara as the Anonymous Druid, and myself as Arome. If you're enjoying our show, please leave us a review so people know where to find us. You can also get early access to episodes by donating to our Patreon, which also helps us create even more cool content. To get more information on this or any other of our shows, check out our website at pseudonymsocial.wordpress.com. <laughs>